0: but like there's something about that like common peril if you go through common peril and you're suffering together it like it just brings you together yeah like, just, love company, right? Yeah, it's a real it's a real thing right so you just get to know people
1: this is david jones and it's my podcast tell your tale on episode number five we've got matt johnson he talks about his bumpy road to adulthood what drives his insane work ethic and finding a healthy
0: balance as a father of three
1: all right Today we've got Mr. Matt Johnson. How are you doing, sir?
0: I'm good, man. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. So
1: normally on these things, we I do my absolute best not to jump into uh, the running, but uh, I mean we have to kind of have to lay out what we're dealing with on today's episode, uh, Matt. I mean, let's just run through what you what adventure you uh, embarked on this this morning.
0: Um, well. I had this idea in my head. Well, I ran 31 miles this morning. Um, I started at Ruffner, Ruffner Mountain, a park there uh, at the baseball parks, ran up to the overlook, overlooking the quarry, and then ran down and then took Montevallo all the way and kind of weaved my way through Mountain Brook and went to Red Mountain and went to Grace's Gap and then worked my way through kind of the. The south the Shade, south shades crest a bluff park area and dropped down and stepped I don't know a couple hundred yards into into moss and hit up the high Falls overlook there and then weaved through kind of Pelham and squeezed over 119 and ran up to to the Peabody overlook
1: yeah the, the amazing thing about it is I'd seen a text come through uh, and it said four four peaks is that what it was that what the four parks is what four, parks. Called, called yeah, four parks and I was thinking that he'd went drove to the four different parks and so I'm talking to Laura about it I'm like this lunatic has you know hit all four parks in the same day which I thought I thought was impressive just by itself and then I, I throw up Strava I look and I'm like Laura this lunatic ran the whole way he ran the whole which is an incredible adventure in itself um Yes, that was uh, how long you've been dreaming that up.
0: You know, Alan and I were talking. Alan Fuller and I were talking about it, and maybe it was his idea to to run the three parks, the three big parks, not to not not to include Moss. So we were talking about it, and then and then maybe last summer we were just logistically trying to figure it out, and we were all. I think it was in our text group. We're all trying to figure out how to do it, and we're like, "You got to run down Highway Thirty One. That's dangerous when you do." And, and then I think all of the fall hundreds hit. So everybody was going to crew and going to run and all that. And then like Peter Shearhouse is kind of, you know, in the running community. We, we kind of know him and he did a leg of it and we're like, oh, he's going to do it too. And then Corey, my, uh, David Corey was talking about it. Like we'd been talking about it and then these other kind of running groups talking about it, and it was like, man, I've got to get on. I want to do like, I really want to do it. And, uh, Alan ran his fifty k yesterday, and I had a window of time today. And, and I, by the
1: window of time, he started at three a.m., just to get paint a picture of when. Well, this window, I got up we, at three. I started
0: at five.
1: Yeah, so it's an important thing we talk about it a lot on this podcast. Is if it's important, you know, you you'll find a way to get it done. Uh, Matt Johnson is the um, epitome of if you if it's important, you'll you'll find a way. He makes me feel as lazy as possible with his start
0: times on these well, adventures. It's, a, it's it's amazing what. And in this, I could, I think I can speak for a group. It's amazing what, what I'm willing to do when it's something I want to do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's
0: like, I don't have that discipline in all areas of my life, just in things I want to do.
1: Yeah. And it kind of, uh, I've been trying to do a better job of that on this podcast. It's just because we were getting some people from not from around here. You know, this is, this is Birmingham, Alabama. You've really got four. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good running community. Um, I don't know if it, you would think that, Birmingham would be that great of a, a trail running community, but you know you've got, like you said, you've got Ruffner, Red Mountain. Um, where else did you say you went? Uh, Moss Rock Preserve. Moss Rock, and then obviously Oak Mountain, which is, I mean, you you've got what forty miles, fifty miles worth of trails, roughly, probably more than that. You can you can put together.
0: Yeah, you got that much at Oak Mountain. I mean, you got hundreds. You could yeah. you could string together over different days. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: impressive really just want to kind of paint the picture of, of what we were working with here Matt's uh Matt is incredible as far as what he's doing on the um, you know on the running front but you know as we always do here we just we'll see how how Matt really got here and, and where he started from and, and what's been great about this is you know I've been running with these guys for almost three years now and and each one that comes on I, I learned something new really completely new. And so I guess we'll just start off with a simple, you know, where were you born in Alabama or where did you where did you get started?
0: Yeah. So the, I was born in Birmingham, um, grew up in Birmingham, kind of the metro. I say Bur- we all say Birmingham, yeah. but it's kind of different, different suburbs of, of Birmingham. Um, apart from about a, a five year period in my late 20s, early 30s uh, in, in Dallas, just did a little stint out there. Uh, I've been here my whole life. Okay, Which part? Dallas? No, uh,
1: no, no, Birmingham. What, what, oh what?
0: gosh, uh, born, yeah, you know, born in Birmingham. You know, proper lived in, lived in. Uh, it's kind of the central West End, Central Park area for a number of years, and then went out to uh, Trustful early childhood. Um, trustful Grayson Valley area. Okay. Um, and my, my parents, yeah, when they were married, they li- we lived out there. Maybe my brother, my my mom and dad, and in the Trustful area. Trustful,
1: yeah. Okay, so we really weren't that far. I mean, I spent most of my prominent high school years in trustful area i grew up in gardendale those two were interchangeable we which we would fly over to, mm-hmm. to trustful constantly yeah. so for certain motivations to get over there so okay. so really what i mean what were you doing you're obviously uh pretty busy now what, what 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 was an average day for you growing up what were you
0: what were you getting into well, you know, it was me and my brother for a little while, so my parents got separated when I was about five or six, and then we moved to Hoover and back to this area, this kind of the North Shelby area, so, um, you yeah, know, we were kind of uh, kind of transient kids, so we, we spent a lot of time, my mom, my mom was single for a number of years, you know, so we were kind of the apartment living, so I lived in an apartment, shared a bedroom with my brother for, gosh, a lot too long a long time and he's about he's about a year and a half younger than me so we we're running around apartment complexes and um just finding stuff to get into and, and we we're necessarily lat- latchkey kids but we had we had that like generation x freedom yeah right so we talk talked about it a lot it's, see, it's
1: a common trait it seems mm-hmm. so far with all the guests it's been you know kind of free reign you were out there just just being a kid and and just exploring, you know, which really fits well with with this group and and what we what we entertain ourselves with.
0: Yeah, I heard. I remember you guys. I've heard you talk to several of the boys, and you know, could describe my childhood, right? So it's it's Saturday morning, trying to leave the house too early and bang on the neighbor's door too early, and then get the bikes and you know, and just go and find stuff, you know, go into the woods. We were only going about 50 yards in the woods, but go deep in the woods and just stay out till till a meal time and then go back out. So, I mean, it's pretty typical what I've heard you guys say. Yeah.
1: So what athletic background, were you, were you playing sports as a kid? Were you just kind of, what was going on with that? What I'm trying to figure out, you know, what I've done on this and the reason I ask these questions, one of my goals here is just to find if there's common data points with with the people that are chasing these goals. And it, it ultimately it won't be running related, but mm-hmm. I'm very interested to hear, you know, it seems like right now, you know, it's very active kids, you know, not the smoothest upbringings for every, you know, for everyone, mm-hmm. uh, some character building moments in their youth. Uh, that, that really led to, you know, what we're doing now. So what was going on? I mean, were you were you an active kid from a sports standpoint or were you just, just kind of just being outside?
0: Yeah, my my dad was a, you know, college baseball player and okay. aspired to be, you what, know. What was he, you know, what position he was playing? Uh, he was a first base and catcher. Okay. All right. so yeah. He's, yeah, all right. Yeah, he was big. He was a big guy. All he, of them. He, yeah, he was a big. So probably not a runner. No, 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 he's a big, bulky guy. Yeah,
1: I've met many of first basemen and many of catchers, and, and running is pretty far from the list of things they want to participate in. They just want to be big. Uh, and not run.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so, that's, so I'll go ahead and remove this from the whole first thirty years of my life. Like first thirty or forty years, there was no running. There was not all. like I I didn't do cross country and all that. So like I was, I grew up the, the, the kid that if I didn't watch what I was doing, I would be. I would be like the pudgy little kid. Like I always was just on the verge, you know, of of, of being
1: teetering on overweight.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I have to work at it, you know, it's it now even. It's worse now. But but yeah, we we did uh, so we did baseball. My dad was big into baseball and and you know, back then you had the big, big three, right? And soccer was burgeoning, but you know, in the eighties and you know eighties and early nineties, pretty much was baseball, basketball, baseball, basketball, football. Well, football didn't work I Tried football for about a half a half a season and got my arm broken just about off my body, and that, that didn't work. I was too little for that. And you know, basketball I was, well, was never the tallest guy, and basketball didn't work too well. So, baseball was just where my you know my dad kind of pushed us, and um, so we grew up doing that. So, is you know, when we weren't on the bikes outside, we were throwing baseball in the front yard playing pepper, you know, just, you know, doing whatever we could. Oh yeah. I, uh, I
1: just had this conversation. My, I just finished up soccer practice. I was telling you about it and, uh, soccer was not, you know, in Gardnell. soccer was a communist sport, you know, no one, no one played it. It was, you know, and I imagined when I had kids, I was going to have two boys that'd be middle infielders. I'd be a little league coach, you know, and here I am find myself just in this constant soccer life of trying to, trying to learn as I go kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I, it was baseball, basketball, football, and and really for me, I only played baseball, and, and basketball and football were just stuff we played,
0: you know, out in the yard in the kind yard. of thing. So, well, I got to add in, too, like I always was intrigued by soccer because, like, I don't know if that spoke to me. Like, hey, this is a, a not-so-big guy. Like, you could not be the – you don't have to be the big, tall guy to go do this, big, strong guy. And uh, my, my dad got remarried when I was a young young guy and uh, when I was a kid. And uh, my stepbrother, Tony, he he played like everything. He did all the different um, in-between sports and soccer was big. And, and we just learned it. Like my brother and I ended up learning it at an at like a, a later age, I guess. We didn't play it from a young kid, little Todd, you know. Um, kind of like what you guys are doing with your girls now. We didn't do that. We just did baseball strictly. So when we were teenagers. We learned to play soccer, and we lo- and ended up playing baseball in in, in high school a couple of years, and then played ended up playing soccer the last two years. Oh
1: wow, it just wasn't a thing. It, and really, with my situation, it was just the my parents could really only afford one sport, and baseball was it. There wasn't really a consideration for another hundred dollars for basketball a year. Yeah. You're short. Uh, you can go play with your boys in the in the yard. You know, <laughs> it's it's not a it's not a thing. And really, I didn't see soccer until '99. It wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. They developed a soccer team in our town, 1999. I remember being on the baseball field, and these clowns came running up above the field where there was a track. I
0: was like, "What? what are Sh- those? Shiny, shiny short shorts? What are these idiots doing?"
1: <laughs> so they're like, "Oh yeah, we have a soccer team." I was like.
0: Well, yeah. if it tells you anything, too, Pe- Pelham's not the metropolis it is today. Back when I was there, so we, we ended up living in. I went to Pelham High School, and and, and it, you know, soccer was the tenth rate, fourth rate, tenth rate sport there. Like it was not highly regarded. So I, I made the team. Okay, <laughs> like, hey. right? so if it tells you anything, I made the team. Like yeah, we need people. Like well, we need people to play. It's funny how you, how
1: things kind of come full circle. The when I was in high school, I had a good buddy named Lance Curry, and he begged me. He's like, please come watch me play soccer. I'm like, I don't want to come watch you play soccer. But I I, I went, right. And it actually really and I started coming I actually really enjoyed it. But you're talking about you played soccer for he is now the soccer coach for Pelham High. So oh, wow. I was when you're sounds like what are the chances that, that that works out? So you played some soccer in high school. What really what did you what did what was post high school? What were you getting into? High school, everything pretty normal. What what
0: were you doing? Gosh, post high school I took started my first few stabs at college, right? Yeah. So I didn't play any sports or anything in, 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 in college, but um, I went to Alabama right out of high school, like fresh, like couldn't get there fast enough and, and somehow squeezed out about <clears throat> I would say two two years of I was there for two years. I'll just say that. Yeah, you were there. I, I I attended well, I was enrolled for two years. That's about it. About it. And I did all the Greek stuff and the, all the fun things in Tuscaloosa you can do and like all the sort of legal things, sort of not legal things. Like all that fun stuff. I did all those things and um, they they politely asked me not to come back. <laughs> so I came, I came home at about twenty twenty 20 years old, tail between my legs, summoned home, like summoned. come home. So what were you
1: you know you leave high school what i mean and you enter alabama i mean what was your intentions what were you trying to study what What was the plan
0: yeah I'd, I, it's kind of a weird kind of a i don't recognize this person any, anymore but back then it was uh i'd worked all through like uh i'd worked all through high school i always had a job and i did after school care a lot like the extended care yeah. at the elementary schools in pelham for for years and uh i thought i wanted to be a uh, a teacher. I thought I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. So I, you know, that was my, I was, I was early ed for, for like, I don't know, three semesters or something. That's what I thought I wanted to do. Um, I didn't work out. Um, like I, said, like I said, I don't, I don't really recognize that person when I was 20 wanting to do that. Cause that's not what I would want to do today, but that's, that's where my heart was at the time.
1: So you, college doesn't work out. You're maybe your maturity level, whatever it is at the time is not there, uh, probably a little eye-opening to come back. What, you know, what happens from there? What's uh, What's the next move?
0: Man, I come home and I spend a, a couple months at home, uh, you know, working a working a car lot job, you know, parking the cars around. It's like, a, you know, like I said, tail between my legs and, you know, hey, you know, you, you can go to UAB. We'll still, we'll still help you out. We'll still let, you know, parents say, and they'll still let you, you can stay here. I did that half halfway for about three months. And then my, my parents, my dad, he just walked into my room one day in, in the room that, he walked in his room. I'll put it that way. I'm in his house. I'm in his room that I sleep in. And he said, look, buddy, he's like, you got to keep going to school or you got to get a job and move out. Which one is it? And he's like, he gave me some time period to think about it. And he's like, pretty much, get it, get it together or, or, or move on. Like, go figure it out. So I found a job. I was like, I'm not going to go to school. Uh, so, I, so I got a job, and I, I looked in the newspaper. This is back in, gosh, the early 2000s. still newspaper. I looked in the newspaper. I found an ad selling insurance. Okay. I'm talking like life insurance.
1: And, and I door, remember the, the newspaper days.
0: Door to door. Life insurance.
1: Knocking on the door.
0: And he said, you know what? That's an excellent plan. Okay. <laughs> looked at me. He's like, that's an excellent plan. Why don't you go do that? And it was terrible. I'm
1: sure. I mean, it's funny you say that because things have changed so much. I remember I came out of school and I was looking through the walnuts, looking for a job. You know, it's just a different time. I'm sure there's some character building going on, knocking door to door. So how did... I mean, what did you learn from? Because I always hear if the best thing you can do is get a job you hate, and that will motivate you to do something you ultimately you love. So, how did? Uh, what did you learn from the door to door insurance? So, so,
0: what I didn't know what, when I went. So I applied. Of course, they'll take anybody. It was a cattle call, and they want to get they want to get leads from you. All right, they want a hundred people. You, I guess, just this. I won't name the company, but it's just this scheme, right? And and I go in there and I'm fresh-faced and I interview with the guy, get hired, come home, tell my dad, you know, I'm getting ready to get an apartment, all that stuff. And he's like, I said, who's who's your boss? I tell him, he's like, I worked for that guy back when I was your age. My dad had done it. He had done this thing oh, he's in job. college. Oh, he knew exactly <laughs> what I was getting into, and I was like, and "I'm still so dumb." At the time, I'm like, "Well, if he did it, he's okay." He turned out okay. Yeah, he knew exactly what he was doing. He was setting me up to see if this is, you know, how bad do I want to really work to be successful, and you know, what do I really want to do with my life? And, and that that job lasted about six months, and it was not. It was literally working a debit was what they called. And you basically go around and when you're early and young like that, you just gotta go find people. You gotta go find new people. To, so you're selling life insurance to <laughs> strangers. To strangers and they said, Here's your geography, go figure it out. If you have to you go door to door. So me and a buddy of mine who've been there a couple of months and you know, have flashing forward, he runs a successful towel company now and, and he's one of my close friends and but that's where we met. Was doing that together, and we just kind of locked our arms together and walked down the road. And went went in the some of the I would call them tough neighborhoods to walk around in, with a navy blazer and khaki pants on and a name badge. And uh, uh, New Year's Eve, I, he made me work New Year's Eve, and I came and I came back in or New Year's Day, Day, New Year's day or day after New Year's, and I came back in. i I had a uh, my navy blazer had I had a pocket full of uh, rifle shells of ammunition shells that were that that I crunched as I was walking from house to house to house. And I was like, I put them on his desk and I was like, "Ah, come on, man. Like I can't, I can't do this anymore. And uh, I ended up getting a job making about half as much at Stanford university. Okay. What were you doing Uh, there? And uh, so I I quit that Um, at the time, uh, anything that would, uh, I think at the time I was doing, I worked in the bookstore like I would, I was I shelved all the books, I priced them all, I ordered all the books, I did all the merchandise stuff, and I basically was the guy in the bookstore. I kind of I didn't run it, but I was the I was kind of the go-to, like the the doer in the in the bookstore at Sanford.
1: Yeah, it's amazing what a what a crummy job will do for you. I I you know I, I've kind of been in the construction my whole life. I started at sixteen. And I was hanging doors, and me and my boss got crossed up, and. And I always call it quit fired. He, he tells me he fired me. I tell him I quit, but I quit. My dad was like, You've got to get a job, you sort it out. And very similar to your dad, I, my buddy down the road was like, Oh, I'm working uh, for a company called Rainsoft, and I was going to be a telemarker. And I go in, and it was honestly the greatest job I've ever had. And he thought I would hate it. And I go in there, you start at five, you work from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. And so if you're 17, there's not a better window. So I would come in there, I would call people, half of them would cuss me, but I would get 50 cents if they took this survey and I didn't care if they, and then they would shift it on down. And yeah, so five to nine, Monday through Friday, and then you'd work in the morning and I would stay up all night long and then sleep all day and then go do this job. And and I had done it for three months. I was making pretty good money for considering I was sitting there talking and my dad comes into the room he goes, he goes... I called your boss. You're going back. Your telemarketing days are over. (laughs) He just was (laughs) like, "You weren't supposed to like this." And I'm just, I'm settling in to being a telemarketer for the rest of my life. I'm like, I can make fifty cents a survey forever. (laughs) I'm like, this is because I've been hard labor for the past three years. I'm like, this is great. Yeah, I'm making more money. I do nothing, and they give us two like mandatory fifteen minute breaks. I was like, this is living. Yeah. So, so you're at Sanford. I mean what is the I mean really what's the plan at this point you're you are you married or are you just kind of just single life what's going on
0: yeah I mean I was single I was probably 20 21 22 and and I have a I have a long period of my life I think from about 18 maybe even before till gosh really into my 30s it's just kind of this rudderless ship like I just kind of went with whatever was happening and I got, had a lot of blessings and a lot of luck, a lot of good things happened for me. Thank goodness. But a lot of it wasn't my own hard work at that time. Right. I just, I got this job and I get there and and I get to Sanford and I'm single and I'm just back on cruise control. Like I was at Alabama. Like I'm, I got some, I'm paying the bills. I got a roommate kind of doing whatever I want to do. And I'm not really going anywhere. Um, And they, I just had a wild hair to ask them if I could take classes there and if they would, how they would view my my transcript from Alabama, right? And they're like, well, we can, you can go into this Metro night program and you can work through that and we'll see what we can do. So what I was able to sort of do through that relationship and and it was free, I worked there. It's like private school. I I think I had to put in like six months or a year for it to be free and, and uh, ended up Enrolling back in school uh, while I was working, like in the bookstore.
1: And what age are you at this point?
0: I was probably, I probably did that for two years. I was probably 22, 23 years old.
1: So you're maturing a little, a little bit at this point.
0: Yeah, I'm where like most people are at eighteen or nineteen. I'm at twenty three, but at twenty. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm catching up. A couple a little of bumps bit. in the road. Yeah,
1: and then you're like, yeah, I got to figure this out.
0: But it was this pathway that just presented itself. Like I burned, I'd taken my the dollars that we that my parents spent on it. I'd taken the the you know the the credibility with a transcript and all that to get in somewhere. I'd take it and just burned it to the ground and I had and then this thing just pops like I'm at a private school that I never could have gotten into out of high school anyway. Right. And they kinda I kind of came in the side door and I just kind of just had to work just enough and I stayed in and then eventually transitioned into the day school. So I was taking classes at night. I go to school, go to work during the day, take classes at night. Is where a lot of people do people, a lot of people take, like go back to school and do that. So, um, but yeah, I was able to transition into the day school and uh, I took a science class and I liked it. So I flipped my, my bio, I flipped my major to biology. So, and then, it's a circuitous route, man. I don't want to go. I don't want to bore you guys with it too much, but I end up end up deciding that I wanted to study the science, study biology, and uh, I thought about dental school, and that was not going to work. And I thought about teaching secondary ed, and I thought about you know going to graduate school and being a professor, and all. I just I just knew that that's the first thing I'd ever really enjoy doing was studying that, um, and and I I got a year from graduating. Right, I was a junior, I was a twenty five or twenty six year old junior but I was a full-time student working at night a little bit. Um, uh, and then I've met at that, who was to be my wife at, in that time frame, And she was at school there too. And right before I was going to start my senior year, she's from Dallas. That's how I ended up in Dallas. Okay. She was a couple years younger. So we, we, we got engaged and we moved to Frisco, North, North Dallas, Plano, Frisco area. Um, And Got married about eight weeks after we moved, and I transferred to a school called Dallas Baptist University, which is a very similar school to 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 Stanford. Yeah, that's where I ended up graduating from. Okay, so you did finish it up. Okay, I did finish. I I, I got something stuck, and I started to drive that way. I can only, I got at that time, I can only handle one serious thing like, okay, I'll do school now. I did it at 20, I graduated at 27, right? So you,
1: you make the move to Dallas, and then you it sounds like you got married pretty quick, you know, pretty quick after that. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We got, we, and we ended up living there for about five years. So what, 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 what's the
1: shift to get you from Dallas back here?
0: We opened up after a year after I graduate, six months after I graduate, I should say, um, uh, my father-in-law was a retired executive. He was 40 in his 40s. He'd already retired. So he was doing very well, and he wanted to start a bunch of businesses, and he did. And one of those was, was a restaurant, and and he asked me to run it. I'd never, I'd never set foot in a kitchen in my entire life. But so... I had abandoned my, I was going to be a secondary ed teacher at the time. I'd taken the classes to do all that. And that was my plan. And I abandoned all that and I I joined up with them. <clears throat> and it ended up, you know, long story short, did all these short order jobs for six months to train for it. And we, yeah, put an LLC together and I, we opened up two burger restaurants in Frisco. Oh, wow. And I, ra- I ran those for two years.
1: Okay. I, that's news. I didn't know.
0: So how was, I mean, how is, the, I've
1: heard the restaurant industry is just, you're you're living on the edge constantly as
0: far as survival how it's seven days a week and it's an it's at least the, the if you're running it the right way or if you're running it and keep an eye on everything it's an hour or two before it opens an hour or so after it closes and if you're open seven days seven days a week yeah that's how that was the schedule for two years
1: so how did that come to an end
0: well the first one was too big it we opened up in 2008 that's a rough time. In May. <laughs> yeah. So we had an awesome summer. And then the, then everything fell out, you know, the crash, right? And um, we skimmed along for another year, opened up a smaller, more efficient second location in a, in a really great place. We ended up just eating the first one, just, just closed the doors and liquidated it. And, and then we sold the second one. And that's when I moved. The day we liquidated and closed, I moved three days later back to Birmingham. Back to Birmingham.
1: I, you know, talking about the the financial crisis of '08, that I could probably try to track down graduates from that time and have a podcast series because, you know, for me, I mean, that was a real defining moment in my life. Uh, I'd been working for a company, Butler Manufacturing, and I, I I'm on my way to Mississippi. My boss calls. And he's like, hey, what, you know, what are you doing today? And I said, uh, I'm just you know, going to meet one of my customers. And he's like, hey, can you swing by the office? And I said, sure. And so I turn around. I come in. I'm literally talking to Laura on the phone. I'm on Green Springs uh, down in Birmingham. And I was talking about how I'd like to retire from Butler. I come walking into the main lobby, and a guy comes off the elevator that I worked with, and he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, they told me to come in. He wants to talk to me about a quote. He goes, they're firing you. And I'm like, he's talking to me. He goes, they just fired all of us. And I was like, what? He's crying. And I'm like, ah, whatever. Get on the elevator. I come up there and our president and him are just standing at the door waiting on me. And they're like, hey, come with us.
0: And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. crap.
1: And so, uh, you know, I'm obviously I get laid off. I coming out of the building, I called my boss that I used to work for, uh, out of high school. And I said, Hey, if you've got anything, I need you. And he's like, start tomorrow. And I was doing pretty well at this job. And then I'm the next day, um, I'm in a, a huge van with five Hispanics and me, you know, going to hang doors. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? And then what's crazy is I'm with him for three months. He goes under and I'm like, what am I? And I'd worked so hard to get to this point, and then thankfully my buddy, I'm wrapping insulating pipe for minimum wage. Okay, and I'm like, man, I am screwed. I don't know what to do. There's no jobs. All my buddies are losing their jobs. You can't find anything. And it's, it was really career defining because it's like, what do you do? How do you how do you come out of that? Um, and so when you're talking about. I can't imagine trying to start um, a restaurant in that 08 period, you know, because it was just taken out every industry. No imaginable. idea, man.
0: We had no idea, right? And then you hold on to hope, and you you cut prices. Yeah, you, know, you just you shut down. We you shut down to six days a week. And you start closing at eight. Yeah, it just, it's a struggle. It, it, was, it was it was a struggle, you know. But it came. out. I mean, people, you know, we came out of it right, but. It was a struggle for a while. I
1: think people were better because everyone has their, you know, at least in our age range. I'm 36. Um, I'm not sure actually how old you are, but you're in that same range, I'm sure. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, growth, I think, from people. Um, It was just simpler. I mean, I remember it was just for me and Laura, it was just less. Like our life really didn't change. It was just we just had less. And it it was – it was no worse. I think we just kind of grew closer together and it was, it was probably a better time. There was less stress some, for some reason, cause you just, you just kind of adjust your life and, and keep going. So I don't want to go through it again cause I've got kids now, but uh, I think it was good to, I think it was good to go through cause it, it just kind of makes you
0: appreciate the good times. Well, that's what we did. We moved, we moved back to Birmingham. We, we had a house there in Dallas. We sold that. Um, You know, had, you know used cars so that wasn't a big deal we, got, we came back here and got a one bedroom apartment got jobs making nothing right but just scaled down you know yeah
1: so you come back to Birmingham what you the the restaurant industry or business kind of went under i mean where are you what's the what's the trajectory from there what do you what's your next move
0: well i started feverishly calling Birmingham trying to Trying to uh, trying to make connections and know the restaurants close, so I have two things set up. One's an immediate job <clears throat> working for a family friend at uh, Metro Metro Mini Storage, and and okay. The, so, um, uh, really close family friend had taken over as the operations VP there and said, "Hey, look, you want to make this amount of money, and, and you're going to commit to me." Or do you, or, or are you going to use this as a crutch for a while? And I said, well, I'm going to use it for a crutch for a little while. And he said, okay, you can make this amount of money then. And you can work these hours. I was honest with him. And and uh, so I did that while I looked for some sort of a career. Um, another connection I had made through my father-in-law at the time was at a company called uh, IMS. And it's, you know, it's a company I was with for almost 11 years. But I ended up just getting an interview and just talked my way into an HR hr role with this little private um medical device company and and i i again i I mean i scratched and clawed for it but i had no business doing like i had my hr experience was was managing kitchens in front of the house right it was like personnel so uh, i got my way in and kind of faked it until i made it um that that's that's how i started in hr I, i did not go to school for it and um I didn't start off at the bottom, you know, processing and forms and work my way up. I got, I got into it in a small company that took a chance on me. And I took it, that's where I really started. I was, I was late 20s, maybe. And that's where I really started realizing like, hey, man, you've been, you, you went to college for eight years, you're not a doctor. You know, you didn't get a graduate degree within those eight years, and and you've got a handful of years running restaurants. And if you don't want to do that anymore, you're going to have to figure it out. You're going to have to figure out what you're going to do. So I just I doubled down on that. Uh,
1: I mean, I'm, it sounds like, though, I mean, you know, you, you went through your parents separating as, as a child, and then, and then there are challenges at the university. And, you know, it's so far up to this point, nothing's really has You've had some, obviously some things go in your favor, but some things, some, you know, some pretty tough challenges in it. And I'm sure all that stuff has benefited you You know, now, you know, having to fight through it and wheel your way through and kind of, kind of slide your way through life a little bit. I, I had to do the same, you know, where you have to talk your way into some, some jobs that maybe you don't, you know, you don't have a fit for, but, uh, and then just make it happen. And sometimes in life, that's, that's what you have to do. Just have to find a way.
0: You know, I, I think. I just had to grow up a little bit and and when life got really heavy and it got to a point where it was like marriage and mortgages and, you know, family planning and all that stuff, it's just like if I wanted to keep going in that direction, right, I had to, I almost got forced into it, but I adapted. I mean, I, I'm a different guy now than I was when I was in my 20s. It just took me, you know, thinking back, I look at my kids now, I'm like, oh man, I just, let's, let's not make those same mistakes. Let's Let's work on it now when you're nine and four and uh, you know that's
1: that's a yeah that's a i mean i think it's probably every parent's nightmare is that they'll and you know, your children will duplicate your own sins you yeah. know i think about it all the time my my struggles that i have it's like please let this be something that i just do and this is not in their dna somehow you Yeah, know? yeah i'm a little bit like obsessive compulsive i it serves me well in some instances and then others it's, it's, um, it's not such a great thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm like, just be normal, you know, be like Laura and just kind of <laughs> just be a good person and just go through it. But, you know, it's, I think the ability to kind of adapt and overcome is, you know, it, it's sort of give and take to it. You know, I think it's, I think it's good to have. So, I mean, what's next for you? I mean, you've, you've moved back, you've kind of, started this what what gets you into because you're in your 30s at this point mm-hmm. what gets you into what's the trigger to make
0: you start exercising what what gets going um well i, I just lead living this lifestyle of a uh, you know you can you can eat and drink X amount of calories when you're 21, right? And then when you get 30, like, it's just this arbitrary number, but you, you just start, you, you, you can't tolerate it anymore, and you start putting on weight. And like I said, as a kid, I was that fence-walking, maybe I'm going to be a little fat kid, maybe I won't be a little fat. Like it's, and I just became, I, I, I put on a bunch of weight, and I didn't like it, didn't feel good, wasn't healthy. And so I started just running for exercise in my late 20s. I think I ran a half marathon, so I do like four miles a day, three miles a day, and I just did it just to not be unhealthy. And I never, you know, knew how fast I was running or anything like that. And it was never more than, you know, four or five miles at a time. And um, I think I ran a half marathon in Dallas when I was in my late twenties. Um, I trained, like I downloaded the thing, and I did all the stuff, and I ran a half marathon. It was a it was an unimaginable distance at the time, and. <clears throat> and then I think I did another one maybe a handful of years later, three or four years later in Birmingham. Um, but I just that's that was my thing. I just wanted to be healthier and and I wanted to not change my lifestyle, I guess. That was the other thing. I didn't want to do both ends so of you're it. You're trying to
1: offset this. like yeah. I will outwork these calories. That's Which right. is a tough that's a tough task.
0: You, well, think about the phases too. Like twenty do whatever you want. Thirty you can exercise and eat whatever you want. And you get every year you get older you have to start lowering the intake and upping the exercise for it to just stay neutral right so it starts to slide and slide on that scale um but yeah
1: that's it's funny you're talking about the 13 miles being a a substantial distance because you know i remember i i don't think i'd run more than six miles and then i just decided hey i'm gonna run mercedes and i i pull up a training block the full the full I'd never, I'd never run uh, a 10K. I've done some, done, had done some 5Ks. I pull up the training block and it was like a 26 week training cycle. And I'm like eight weeks out. And so the first Saturday run was 16 miles. And I was like, 16 miles? I was like, good God. So I take off, you know, and I'm chafed. I didn't bring any food. I have any water. You know, I'm just running. I mean, I have no clue what's going on. But, it was like mentally my, my, my mindset changed. I had never, and really at that point I was running a mile. So I went from running one mile a couple of days a week for speed to one Saturday. Now, granted, I was doing like a 10 minute pace. It was just, I was amazed that I had run 16 miles, you know? So there was no, there was no plan. I had no clue what was going on. Just trying to survive this distance because kind of like what you're saying, it's just, I was just impressed with myself that I could do the 26 miles. It wasn't. I thought that was the ultimate goal. Who even knew that there was, that anybody was doing anything, of, you know, 50. I went to run into a guy that had done a 50K. And I remember thinking, how could you run six more miles? <laughs> you know, it's, there's no way. No. Yeah, because 26 is, that's forever. I was dead, you know, and then you're sitting here and you've got, people out there but it really it popped up and then it was just gone like i, I never he told me to ran the 50k he they were he told me about climbing ropes it must have been the oak mountain 50k i never asked him i never saw him again but he's talking about it he had to climb up some ropes and i'm just like gosh i can't imagine and then here we are you know years later so you had dabbled in some running but obviously with matt it's it's progressed so what what gets you from running occasionally trying to cut some weight what leads you to the trail
0: so i guess after like after my early 30s into my late 20s early 30s um you know i got the worst um i got less and less healthy you know and, and you know i had some 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 other issues with you know substance and things like that, and it just got to a point where it was like I had to make some changes, right? I had to make some changes, and I did, and I took care of a lot of that stuff, and um, and so I'm looking at myself at you know I've maybe 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 mid maybe mid to late 30s, and uh, and I just decided I'd I'd gotten remarried to Amanda, i gotten married to Amanda, um, and I was about 200. Like I'm about five eight, five eight and a half. maybe that's what I say. I don't know. I, I could be shorter than that. I said five nine for a long time, but um, and, it, it. and I'm like I'm like maybe two hundred pounds, right? So I'm, I look like a bowling ball. Um, a little stocky. Just on my frame, I have a slight frame, but I just put weight. I put the bunch of weight on, you know. And uh, um, uh, I, so I just I start like I'm gonna go back to do my four my four days my four miles a day. I'm gonna go back to that. Um, so I start doing that start doing that. And I start eating a little bit better and I have to try a lot harder to, to do better. And I drop like – and I've shown you guys. I don't know if you've seen that picture like of my driver's license from like no, I've never seen f- five, you know, four or five years ago um, to now. It's just – it's 50 pounds, right? So – or 40 pounds, something like that. So I just got healthier, you know, probably 2017. I, got, I dropped a bunch of weight and I'm still doing the um, – Just the four, four, you know, three, four, five miles a day. And I'm working with a close buddy of mine at my my previous company. And I think it was maybe 2018, the summer, 2018. And he's like, hey, I've never run a marathon. I've never run a marathon. Let's let's do it together. We'll train every weekend together. And it started very innocently of, okay, let's Hal Higdon. It's like you Google marathon plan. That's the one. And it came up and we decided we were going to run. We we're going to take six months to do it. And we were going to run it. Um, this Hilton Head. I'd never been to Hilton Head before. They had this pancake flat marathon on the island out there. And we'll take our kids. You'll take your kids. We'll go. And we start running and... I just, you know, uh, he, he's very, he was very apprehensive about getting hurt. he hurt He'd had IT band before. I didn't know what IT band was. He was very, it was like, hey, we need to run these things easy, like 10 minute miles. So he's always, I, I'm the gas, he's the brakes, right? He's telling me we need to take this easy and I'm kind of like getting into it. So we're running seven mile, 10 mile, 12 mile long runs. And I'm really liking it. It's starting to feel good. Things are starting to click and he gets hurt. He runs a half marathon, like November, December, he gets hurt, IT banned, real bad, and he just falls off. He's like, I'm just not, I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, I think, actually, that may have happened even before December, because um, somehow, I don't know if I was listening to Joe Rogan, and I heard Courtney DeWalter talking, or Cam Haynes, and that's when I heard about the 200s. I'm like, you talk about not knowing about ultra running, and then hearing about a 200, it's like hearing somebody you know, jumped over Mount Everest or something like it. You just can't even fathom. Like you still have a perspective on what that is. Yeah. No, like, I just no perspective for it.
1: That's hilarious. You know, cause we kind of got started on the trail world at the same time. And what led to that was probably, it was, for me, it was Cameron Haynes. He had just done the Bigfoot 200. Well, he was about to do the Bigfoot 200. Cause I wound up watching it on the, like keeping up with the tracker off from the website. And I said, 200 miles. Um, in okay and i said i've got to get going and then you know it's oak mountain 50k that was my start ran it, it suffered you know that really yeah. got past the it went pretty well and then i got to the marathon mileage that next six miles coming, I
0: mean, I, coming down from bevine i was broken you yeah. know
1: just and i i finished that race and said 200 miles uh i don't know Who's capable of doing that? But it's not this guy. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> <What you mean? laughs>
1: that's it for me. So,
0: well, I, so I'm right. I'm training with my buddy. Right. And, and he, again, I'm the guest. He's he's always very kind of pulling me back into reality of like we got to, you know, and I don't know if I met a guy at work who was an AT kind of, you know, weekend through hiker kind of guy. And he said, you know, there's a group of ultra but he mentioned the butts acronym I said, but he said, there's a group that runs those mountain bike, the mountain bike. He said, they run the mountain bike trails. And I said, you gotta be kidding me. Cause I ran mountain bikes. A couple had ridden out there a few times. I said, you gotta be kidding me. They run those, like the red trail. They run that thing. So <clears throat> I think I, I, I think I told Amanda, like, I'm going to spend 30 bucks and I'm going to either join the BTC and, and start doing those long runs. So I didn't realize back then, like you can just show up and participate I thought, well, you got to pay, you can't just show up in these places. You gotta be a member. So I I was like, I'm going to do the butts for 30 bucks or I'm going to do the BTC. And I just kind of like flipped a coin. I got on the Facebook page and I just joined, got my shirt in the mail and all that stuff. So I did a couple of Tuesday, Thursday butts, you know um, what's her name? Mary Campbell, Tuesday, Thursday morning butts, red mountain runs. did those a couple of times. And then, um, They And then they had the uh, the Barely Ultra coming up in December. And it was like only a handful of dollars more to run the full than run the half. And I was like, you know what? I'll just go. I'll just do it and we'll just see. And if I don't – I don't know what a DNF was. I was like, if I just don't like it, I'll just stop. So I went to the preview run Thanksgiving. We ran one loop of the course. I loved it. Turns out DC was there. There's a picture out there. I, I've got it somewhere. There's a picture. DC, I'm on one side of this big group, D.C., Freight's there, maybe Robbie, Greg Reeves. It's always
1: funny, the overlap. There,
0: all these people that I know now, they're all there in this group. Donna led the group with Mike Mike Roy. and oh, wow. Um, Casey was there. Like, all these people that I know now, and I'm just kind of tagging along. But I just – I liked it. It was really – it was fun, and um, I ended up running the barely before – I had my timing all messed up. We hadn't canceled the marathon yet, so I ended up running as a training run. I ended up running the barely, and I did okay. I I, I almost died. Like I thought I was going to die. I had Amanda had to ice my knees down. I put ice on the bottoms of my feet. I thought my feet were broken, and none of that was true. Like it was all just body had never was not tough enough to run that distance at the time. It just, I just I pushed to do it. And it, it was awesome. About 48 hours later, I was like, I don't care if we run that marathon. Like, this is, this is like, this is this, crazy. This is new. This yeah. is crazy, but it's fun.
1: It's funny. I, I've got two buddies from work and they, they're signed up for the Oak Mountain 50k. And I've been, it was funny. I saw Alan's hat, you know, nobody cares. You run ultras. And I, I, I texted him yesterday. I'm like, Oh, I hope nobody at work finds about this. Cause they'll all buy the a hat or a shirt or something because. I've been rambling about talking about it. Yeah. I'm just talking about it, you know, but they ask about it, but yeah, they did the blood rock 25 K and, and, and they're like, they're like, I, I need to do something like Oak mountain 50 K let's, let's get started. And so one of them, I went and trained with him yesterday. You know, he's, he's taking it pretty serious. The other one's got some runner's knee. And I I talked to him. I said, look, man, I'm like, if you think you're going to feel good, you can forget that. I'm like, you better just get used to hurting for now because this, this getting into it, things are just not happy with you. I remember when I first got out there, it was like every tendon in my ankles from just the oscillating. I was like broken my knees, you know, you start up in that mileage and, and you've taken it to a far greater level. I'm still trying to get there, but I'm like, you, you're just going to have to, you're going to have to deal with these discomforts,
0: you know, maybe forever. <clears throat> I remember looking at like, I've told, you know, some of the, some of the boys this, but I remember looking at like Tony Taylor and Megan Wayman and Donna and Sonia and some of those folks and thinking, how do they just, how do they run every other weekend or you know twice a month or once? How do they run an ultras once a month? And I think well, they're for one they're tough as nails. They're just they're just hard people. They're just they're strong people. But I think there's like this. It's just my opinion, but I think like your bones and your tendon like there's just this it just builds up you just do it a bunch so it takes like a year it takes more than just a training block to get like the like the foundation like harder you know so you're resilient to like not just better fit and run faster and harder but like you you just you don't get the beating that take you down
1: a million percent i used to be i would go do a half marathon distance i'd be broken it'd be like five days before I could do anything, you know, and it's <laughs> me and Jack talked about it. I mean, coming off of blood rock, I did it. I couldn't hardly do anything, you know, and, I, and I'm and i getting inside my head because, you know, you guys, uh, and, I, and I always tell people work. I I do claim I am, they think I'm like, I'm like some stutter at this stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. All my boys are animals. I'm like, they'll run a 50 K and then they'll go bust out another, you know, marathon, 10, 20, whatever it is. I'm like, they put in crazy miles. And, and so to that point, and I'm trying to get there, which is, it's amazing to me what y'all can do, just put in these heavy mileage and then come right back. And that just shows to your point, it's just like your body can adjust to anything. I think your mind has to get set and then your body will just kind of follow. It's like, okay, all right, let's do this.
0: You know, so I'm sure you'll be back out there tomorrow. Right. Right. I don't know, man. Road miles are road miles. Like you say you ran a half marathon to kill it. Like Jack and I ran Mercedes last year and Jack signed up, Jack signed up on Saturday for Sunday race. But, and he, he dropped me the last couple of miles, but like that hurts worse for some reason. I guess you're running harder. There's harder the no, turno- the turnover is the same motion every day. Uh, you're pushing hard. You're not stopping to hike and stuff. And, yeah, but the today the, the was all road miles. Like my feet, I feel like I was walking on, you know, cobblestones. It just hurts. But
1: so, I mean, something I've wanted to ask you for, and we've kind of just led what got you into the ultra running, but something I've wanted to ask you for a long time is just what is, what is the driver behind the, I would have to call it and tell me if I'm wrong. It's a, a almost an obsessiveness with the running, you know, I, I'm sure there's somebody in our group or in this area that's more committed and, and puts in more mileage. I don't know who that is. I mean, Matt puts it. I mean, it's relentless amount of mileage, you know, just grinding. And I laugh about it because I paced Matt at Pinhote. It was a 2019. Mm-hmm. I was his first one, first hundred. <clears throat> Didn't really know you all that well at the time. And you get to, you get to know people. Uh, I had paced the, the year before. Me and the guy walked 25 miles. I didn't know what Matt would do. We get there. He runs all 19 miles I'm with him, almost drops me going up Pinnacle, which is the last climb that I've participated in. But when we're running, he goes, I'm doing this, and I, I promised Amanda I'm backing off, right? How has the backing off went since the first Penn-Hody? Well, you know. <laughs> Yeah. so he yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, it, so well. what what is the driver what a, what is pushing you uh to just put in this amount of work in this workload
0: yeah i really don't i just want to do it i i just like it makes me feel good you know it I'm reading. I've just finished David David Goggins' book, and I won't quote it, but just trying to understand why he does that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. I'm not David Goggins by any means. But I just, you know, there's like, I think part. I think part of it is obsessive. Like, I just if it's something that feels good to me, I, I like to do it. I, I, you know, we talked about it before we started this podcast. You know, if we're into something. We're way into it. Like, I buy everything and invest in everything. Do all the stuff, all full tilt. Um, but there's something about this that. Um, I think my whole life you know it, not to blame it on you, I think it's my person just me and my genetics my genes and like there's always just this there's like a, there's a hole there you know and I try to fill it with something you know and I don't know what, what you know created that when I was a kid or if that's just genetics or whatever but you know, I think I've always historically just like filled it you know there was a time when it was you know, you know, you know things that were detrimental to me and to my family and there were you know, times where it was work and, and, you know, later in life. And, you know, I think there's just this inherent thing to feel, like, I just, I gotta, I gotta fill that gap. I know that sounds kind of maybe like a sad thing, because what if running goes away? And I've thought about that, you know, what if that gets taken away, if something happens to me or whatever. But being honest, I think that's part of what it is. Part of it's the obsession. and, And I just... And part of it is, is I don't want to lose what I got, which is which you know I've been you know, Alan's made you know, jokes about that too that I, I got the miles up there and I feel good and I don't want to give it up. But it's it's amazing how you can kind of get re-
1: dependent on this. I I'm not doing the mileage you're doing, but w- when I was so damaged after the race, I couldn't do anything. I wanted mm-hmm. to. I hopped on the bike, promptly cracked a rib, and I'm like, my world's falling. You know, and I never went that long without being active. And I just couldn't do anything. It hurt to walk down the stairs. My knees were jacked up and I was like, What have I done to myself? You know, and I start going and it shows me where I would go if I didn't have this. Uh, I think I've always been active and I think that's kept me mentally sound. But I was falling off the deep end, you know, mentally just having nothing, you know, it's like, it's something that's, and that's what I try to tell people. I'm like, gosh, I'm like, just go, there's something about going out there and pushing it. Your body probably releases stuff and challenging yourself and just kind of battling yourself. Um, I just think it's, there's something about going into like the depths of your soul that, that these races can take you to that you can't duplicate unless you have some traumatic event, which people don't want to deal with, you know, and I, you know, you don't want to lose someone, but you can go to really dark places in a kind of controlled environment that I think benefits the human, you know, to be really pushing yourself to, to find out where that, that limit's at. And, you know, it's interesting to see you just go back and go back to it. Um, It, it, it kind of motivates me. I'd love to get, I'd love to get there at some point, trying.
0: No man, you blood rock finisher, man. Well, the hardest hundreds. I, it's a small. It, it, nationally, it's a tiny hundred compared to like the hard rocks and the bit. But, like, it, it's it's got to be one of the hardest hundreds out there. It is ridiculous. Just and you, yeah.
1: What you have to do to get the the elevation. You know, it's
0: just, it's, it's a. <sighs> I remember, uh, I was at Oak Mountain doing. I was one weekend. I was out there just before Blood Rock and. Donna was out there with Michael and they'd finished a run. They did like an out of an out and back, back country. And they but let me just flash forward. They both ran the fifty, okay? They both were saying, we were talking about it. It was almost like a bunch of drug addicts sitting around. We're like, why would anybody do that? Why would anybody run a 50 miler out there? Why would anybody that's just a hard punishing course. They ran it. Like they yeah. turned around <laughs> that, like two weeks later. I think yeah. they were trying to talk themselves in or out, yeah. but they ended up doing it. But um, that's a tough one, man. And that's, yeah, it was awesome to see you and Cheeky. It was awesome yeah. to see you and Cheeky come across.
1: Yeah, Cheeks is coming on soon. And I said, we have to talk about the 25 miles we spent together of just basically just moaning and groaning, trying to get through
0: that second, the second, so. second backcountry. Yeah, the second backcountry.
1: Yeah. I mean, just suffering together. So, I mean, at this point, you've run is it 500s? Four. Four. Okay. Four. So, yeah, I was looking at it. I didn't see, I didn't see double top on it, but I mean, that was, would you say that's your, your hardest hundred today? Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Definitively. Yeah. Definitively. That's and what, I mean,
1: what's so, what's the driver on that one?
0: What makes it so hard? Yeah. Um, it's, lo- so it's a lot of things. I think it's, it's five twenty ish, 20 plus mile loops. So you come back, you see your car five times, um, it's it's up and down there's not a lot of flat running there's a little there's a handful of miles but it's it's up or down the entire time that is a crazy mountain um so it just makes it a long day so it's 30 it's a 30 plus hour every time took me almost 30 almost 37 and i did it touchless which is kind of a version of um of virtual meaning there were no, there were no aid stations. There were no people there. There were no volunteers that you had to run it on course. They let us do it. So like eight of us did it. We never saw each other. Like eight of us were out there running it. I just, and I had, I had, I had Robbie, um, so DC no aid, no aid and zero. Oh wow. There was one volunteer that showed up to, 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 to start me off. We started off different times.
1: So this is, so everybody's and, kind of clear. This is the height of, 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 we at the start of COVID, right? It's I mean,
0: one month, like one month in. So it's amazing that they did it. Like, it was awesome. They were able to pull it off, but they had to have all these things in place.
1: Because they were canceling races. Because uh, I was signing up for Lake Martin. You know, it immediately gets canceled. Uh, to think about running 100 with no one. You know, we tried to do that virtual thing at Shoal Creek. That yeah, was yeah. mind-numbing. Uh, there's something about coming to the aid stations, having people there, you're that picked you up. I can't imagine just trying to will myself through
0: five, 20, 20 mile loops. Oh, these people that did their own virtuals, like in their, like in their backyard or at, like at Oak mountain or something like my hat's off. Like that's the hardest thing to do.
1: Yeah. Some lunatic did it in like, their backyard. Yeah. They ran a circle
0: around for a hundred miles. Oh yeah. It was all like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like Martin, he did this like, Martin yeah, in his like backyard. Martin in backyard. But no. that, that, that race is that that's one of the hardest races I'm aware of that we can get to pretty easily around us on its own. And it was, it was difficult doing it. And, but you know, DC Jack and, and Robbie were there helping me and they paced, they were allowed to pace after a certain time. So I ran a little bit by myself and a lot with them. And I tried to quit that. I tried to quit that. I mean, nobody's like, I tried to quit that race like 10 times. I really sat in my car and told them I was leaving and that I was a grown man. Like I literally said something like I'm a grown man and, I can leave whenever I want. And they said, well, we got the keys. And they just walked away. I'm in my car, in the driver's seat, in my car with my pack on everything. I'm like, just, I want, I wanted to not be there anymore. And I tried everything I could. And they just, you know, they kind of drug, they kind of drug me through it. I mean, it's a special group.
1: I mean, we've talked about it a bunch. I mean, it's just, uh, what can be said about having so many people around you that's been through, I mean, I, I don't know anyone outside of our circle that's, that knows of people are doing 100s, you know, it, and it just seems so normal. You know, I, I once I really met y'all and and paced, I mean, I felt like an outsider. It was like everyone had done 100. It was just the norm. Because I remember having a conversation with a guy after Oak Mountain 50K, and he goes, have you ever done an ultra? And I said, yeah. Yeah, I, I did the Oak Mountain 50Ks. No, 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 100. Have you ever done 100? And I was like, no. No, God no. I'm not doing hundred but and that stuck with me because I'm like, who's running a hundred? I didn't even know what was going on. And now there's I don't know how many of us have done it. Um, but it just has become normal. And you know, and what Matt has done is you did the penalty slam, right?
0: Which is kind of walked me through through that. So they changed it and they've added it, made it a little more Giving you some different options, but up to last year, it was you had to do in a calendar year, you had to do double top 100 in April, uh, you had to do Georgia Jewel 100 in September, and Pinhoti 100 in November, and you had to do all those three in the same year. That's
1: a yeah, and really, I think on the back end, you've got the Georgia Jewel and Pinhoti or what is it? A, is it a month? Like seven, six or seven weeks. So obviously Penhody, you did did you went 24
0: um or was it a little over 24 yeah. it was like 24 tw- 25 or 35 or something like that. Yeah.
1: So how do you and this is kind of off the cuff and so you may not have anything for this but how are you how can you lo- utilize or how are you utilizing some of the the dark places or the struggles with your with your day-to-day life how how does it relate for you
0: You mean running a hundred and then taking that like into the daily life? I don't, you know, I don't know that I even think about it. You know, I don't know that I've ever had the thought and I know like these there's some folks that like what having done that type of thing, like the hundred or something, it's like changed the way they approach things. Like it really has. Um, I just don't know that I've consciously thought about that. Um, But so I don't know that it's had a great impact on the way I approach. I mean, I have had the thought of, God, I don't really want to do this. I get, you know, I, 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 but I've done things way harder so I can do this. Um, but it really is maybe a bland, boring answer. But I don't, I don't know that it's had a huge effect. You know, I got three little kids, and I've got, you know, the, ch- you know, they're blended, so we've got all these dynamics with you know, Mike's wife and my, you know, like all the parents. So it's not a simple streamlined thing at home. Plus it's just family life and kids. So it's like, it's hectic enough anyway. So like doing the hundreds is almost like, say it's a vacation, but like, it's a different, like it's a whole, I can almost compartmentalize the two things. Like they're not, they don't apart from me running when I should be home, like, or, you know, letting it eat up a weekend or something. It, they kind of don't mix.
1: That's, you know, we're talking about what motivates, you know, every you know everyone's got their different reasons. And I really feel like for me, I obviously get a ton of benefits from it, but something I'm kind of driven by, and it's part of the reason I started this podcast is I, I really want to try to be a, a person that can positively impact people, you know? And so a lot of times I'm trying to do this stuff to show people around me, whether it be my family or my my friends that aren't in this, you know, that. You can do anything, you know, you need to challenge yourself. Cause what I hear so often, is just, it's just a bunch of reasons not to do things, you know, mm. and at a bare minimum, I want to show the girls that like, you can get through anything, you know, life is going to kick you in the face, you know, and you have these low moments, you could, you could lose your loved ones or whatever it may be, but you've got to find a way to pick yourself up, dust yourself off and keep going. And I think in these races, it really drives that point home because you can go to the bottom of the barrel and find a way to get it done. And so that's that's something that really pushes me. Is like I want because the one thing I can't fail, and I'm sure you sh- you've got you've got children of your own. It's like I just can't fail as a dad. And that's something, you know, when I had my issue at pinhodi that's really what bothered me it was, I'm always telling them, you can do anything. You got to stick with it, never quit. And then I went there, you know? And so at blood rock, it was, that was a really, uh, a leading example is, you know, i told him, I was like, I'm going to get this done, you know? And that's what I told him afterwards. I'm like, you can do anything and never let anyone tell you and never let yourself tell you that you can't get something done. And so that's what I really try to pull from this. It's just, that's what I get the good out of is that, You can show the people and you can affect them in a positive way through your actions that, hey, you know, you can do anything and just get out of your own way. And so that's what I really love about this lifestyle is just pushing yourself to, you know, create positivity for people. So,
0: yeah, I I think it's affected like, again, like the spheres of the things in, in my life, like. I agree with what you're saying. I, I think I think I maybe subconsciously carry those things in, and maybe it's just kind of organically changed. So you know, you know, it's my behaviors, but it definitely affects when I'm talking to other people like that are trying to do stuff like this. I definitely leverage that and say, "Look, yeah, you know, let me just tell you. Let me demystify it for you. Like, it is just these things. Like, d- yep." You know, if you really want to, you, you can do it. Like you can't. So,
1: and you hear these when you're, when I'm talking to these, these people, you hear your, I, I hear myself. I was the guy that only ran a mile. So when they're like, I, I can't, I'm like, I used to only run a mile. I thought five, like I used to run five K's. I'd be dead. You know, mm-hmm. I remember I wouldn't sign up for 10 K. I thought it was too far, you know, it, just how it was. You know, I'm like, you just got to get out on your way. So I've got one more question for you because it's, it's something that I'm kind of tied up with is, and you kind of spoke to it. How are you managing and balancing the family life? You know, you're a dad, you've got all that going on for me. I struggle with it because I want to be a great dad, but this is something I've got to do. And it's this constant struggle with me of being present, but also living my life, right? Mm-hmm. And i've always i'm always torn you know trying to balance that how what is your i'm sure you spent some time thinking about this what is your kind of feeling on that
0: yeah so yeah you know, i have to rely it, I, I gotta rely on my wife to like keep me in check <clears throat> i really have to rely on her to tell me things about me because i'm i'm not Like, I'm really good at telling myself what myself wants to hear. Like, you're doing okay. You're doing a good job. This is the right – like, you name it. This is the right decision, Matt, you know. So, it's really – my wife is not like a in-your-face, like, jerk you up by the nape of your neck and tell you what's up. Like, that's not her. But, you know, she'll sit back and, like, wait. And, she, and she'll tell me but so i have to like proactively go to her and say look hey i'm thinking about this thing and and i've done all these other things yeah, i've done spent this time doing that and i don't want to take away from so I, I just have those conversations with her and she I, I have to give credit to her like she helps me sort of balance it out because i can be sort of and i'm not i, I don't want to come across as i'm passing the buck saying you know if unchecked i'll make the wrong decision but I've really just a partner with my wife you know I talk to her about it and I get her intake you know input on things sometimes she tells me stuff I don't want to hear like you you spent a lot of time like she, t- she just tells me the truth yeah. she tells me what you know what is and I've made some mistakes and I've, I've done probably too much like nothing horrible but I've, I've done too much as far as family balance and stuff goes and, um, and, and you guys might like call me a liar and say I haven't toned down or whatever. But like I go earlier and stuff or right? I don't do certain things and, you know, or, you know, I. so I just have to rely on her. I have to, I have to rely on her opinion and, and, and kind of bring her into the decision-making process where there was a time when I did not do that. Cause I was like, this is awesome. I have these great new friends. I love them. I love that. This is like the, and it's just like, it's who is this person?
1: It's tough. Ta- I mean, we've kind of talked about it. We've kind of, can get a little obsessive compulsive and, but to your point, you kind of talked about it. If it's important to you, and it could be with anything, it doesn't have to be running. You know, I I hear people say all the time, I don't have time. I got the kids. If it's really important, you'll find a way, you know, and to your point, you, you know, you'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning Well, that shows what it, you know, people can talk about, Oh yeah. But if you're willing to get up at three o'clock in the morning and it had to be in the low twenties this morning when you hopped out of bed and, and got that going, I mean, I think you have to have a a commitment level that most people aren't aren't even familiar with, and I think it's developed over time um, but yeah, uh, if it's important, you'll find a way so ultimately, what I want to do here is have for this podcast for people listening to really walk away from it you know with some value you know, and so what I'm gonna have for pretty much everyone is just what a word of advice what 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 would you tell people out there?
0: Oh, man. I have cautionary tales and all that. Uh, you know, I've seen our group bring people in and help them do things that they didn't think they, that they want to do, but think they could. And I've seen, you know, I could name you the names of the groups you'll know, like, like the squad and, uh, you know, parts of the butts group. And there's the Friday night, you know, Friday, you know, Friday Ruffner group. There's these pods of these little groups that, and they're not all 10 year, 20 year groups there some of them are like just formed. So like if people are interested in doing this kind of stuff that, that we like to do and they start and they have an interest, but they're scared to do it, like show up and just there, there's gonna be a person there that is just nervous or as scared as you are about it. And that could be the new Paloma, like that could be the new group. Right. So, um, so I would just encourage people, you know, if, if they want to do this kind of stuff is it, just, you know, find people in the group, this community in Birmingham you mentioned earlier is, is, is fantastic and it's, it's open and it's welcoming. And if you have questions, ask them and, and just show up because um, I think it's really daunting to look at the things that that other folks are doing and try to do it by yourself. It's really daunting and it's really, like, discouraging because you, you, you do a 20-mile training run for a 50-mile run, 30-mile run, and you're like, no way. So, I'm not going to do it. So, that's just been the one of the best benefits that I've had, one of the happiest, apart from my family and my kids. like, outside of that circle, like, one of the happiest things in my life is this group of guys that I – we happen to run. It could be fishing. It could be hunting or whatever. Whatever. We happen to run, and that's something I like to do, but – I think if, if I broke both my legs off tomorrow, I would still go to Wednesday Night Lights. I would still go and pay. I would still go and crew. I would still chat with everybody. I would still do it. It's not the only thing. so.
1: It's just such a great – it's the it's the best group of this scale I've ever been around. I mean, just good people. I mean, they'll do anything for you. I mean, that's what's amazing is that we're talking about the family aspect. I mean, it's no easy ask to have somebody come pace you. And, and commit that time, you know, and and the, these folks will just will just do it, and they're fired up about it, you know, and that's what always, it doesn't matter what it is. If they need to go cut a tree down and cut it all up, oh, I'm in.
0: I, remember, I remember D.C., and I'm kind of quoting another podcast, that one of your other podcasts, but you know, D.C. said something about getting to know somebody on a four-hour run is like hanging out with them every weekend for a month or whatever he said, but like, there's something about that, like common peril. Yeah. If you go through common peril and you're suffering together, it like, it just brings you together. Yeah, Isra like, loves company. Right? Yeah, it's a real, it's a real thing, <laughs> right? So you just get to know people, and 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 there's people in our our little group that we're in that I think are maybe painfully or could be they're just not outgoing. Yeah, they're not. So it's like, this, you don't have to be, you know a DC social butterfly to, you know, make friends in the community. But
1: yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. I'm a, I can be a little bit sadistic, right? And so the people I work with, I'm constantly torturing them. I'm calling them, you know, I'm just wearing them out. And like, when I met this group, I mean, I was like, it was like a match made in heaven. It was like, I remember it was early Wednesday night lights. I'm coming down green. I slam my shin into a rock down there. And Jack still makes fun of me when we come down. it. I mean, I left a portion of my body on that, and they're dying laughing at me, you know, and I'm like this is i I'm home you know because it was just like, i i I grew up with it i I laugh at pain, I just can't help it when so
0: i have come down green with d c or one or jack one or the other, and I've heard that story, <laughs> like that's how funny it was to them. they've told me that like, this sounds was like a shotgun, oh, it was like smack of your leg, I've heard that story,
1: oh, it was uh. Yeah, it was, uh, it was special, but man, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to bring Matt on it because he's just, he's just relentless. You know, he puts in the work he's a guiding light for me. You know, it's something that I'm trying to achieve is be able to, you know, I want to get back out there and do this hundred uh, again in a, in a better way. And I, I've seen his growth in that. Uh, and it's all from work. You know, you, you're getting better. That's what is motivating to me. It's just to watch you watch your progression And really the group's progression I'm seeing is they're working and they're reaping the benefits and the rewards of that work. Uh, And I love work ethic. So again, man, I appreciate your time uh, and it's great having you on.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you. Thanks, buddy.